words, apostles would preach. It's an apostolic prophetic word. It may make you slightly uncomfortable. I might stretch you. You might think, oh, I just enjoyed that. Um, but that's okay, amen? Will you, will you allow me to preach the word as best I can in terms of what we're doing? And I want to speak on two things. I want to speak on culture and I want to speak on going. Two things, I'll try and tie them together. If you're a prayer and you see me stumbling and falling, I wouldn't mind a prayer if you could. Churches have cultures, they have subcultures. Uh, these are created by the values we hold dear to. Um, some of our mission statements, our vision statements, uh, make a church into, you know, we all say we're biblical, we all say, I don't know, we have our, our values and our mission is biblical and um, our essentials are biblical. And so, yes, and so some things, for example, um, Love. If you you know, if you have not love, you have not. You have nothing. So if you come into a church and think, you know, they have a deep value, they love each other, man. That's a value. That's a biblical value, amen. And so, but what we do is sometimes we take good values and we push them to extremes, some some aspects, or we overdevelop biblical truths to the detriment of other truths. It's a bit like a bodybuilder. I mean, every time you see this bodybuilder, you want to sneak and see his calves, you know? You wish he, he had calves like Tula. But, um, but not everyone. So you see a guy with huge pectorals and biceps and shoulders and, you know, 16 packs, I mean, six packs. And then you look at his calves and you think, man, you're not going to win the competition. And so it's much easier to develop some of the big muscles because then they respond. The little muscles, you know, doing this all day with weights. And so the church can sometimes overdevelop some things, which can be dangerous, and underdevelop another thing. We are a multi-disciplined house, church. We like triathletes. So if you want to be a triathlete and you just are a champion swimmer, you'll win your swimming race, but you'll probably come last if you never run or cycle. In the church, we, are, we, 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 we want to hold many things together that are biblical. And so the Bible uses language like foundations. What are your, be careful how you build. What are your foundations? The Bible talks about us being a building. So I think, gee, now, and then it says you're a bride. Well, am I a bride or are we a building? Are we a vineyard? Are we a body? No, we're everything. But if you overemphasize the building, which is the temple, which is where God dwells, which is a worshipping place, you're going to build a church around a culture that if that's the only thing you do, it's all going to be about worship. But sometimes God says you are a, a, a vineyard. I want you to be fruitful. I want you to be my body, which means like the body of Jesus, walk from city to city, healed, fed. I want, I want you to... to to adopt that as well. What are the other things? Words like purity. Are we? I don't know. We cool. You know. We. You know. We kind of drink a bit of alcohol a lot. We party quite a bit. Sometimes our leaders get a bit tipsy. What does that mean? What culture? Are you saying you can't drink? No. But the Bible is very clear on aspects, and so cultures are created in churches. And we want to be careful. Words like sanctification, holiness. Jesus as the chief cornerstone. 
We say we want to be a healthy, multiplying church on mission. And so, as we adopt these values, um, what is created in the church? Sometimes the culture of the world or the culture of business. I'm an old business guy and they were reluctant to bring them to eldership because they were scared that would bring business ethics and values and structures into the church. I do, praise God. But, or you can have a social culture. What's that social or even social media? What's happening out there? And we have to adopt that into the church. And so in some instances, particularly in America, the business culture would influence the church. Unintentionally or intentionally. Um, we would seem to be super relevant. So people would say, you, you have to dress like the world dresses. And your pastor and his wife stepping out of a, like a Vogue magazine, they're so cool in the, with a view to try and reach people. And then you could be so administratively tight that God says, well, if you give me a gap, I'll visit you. But in the meantime, you've administratively out of your meetings. And so cultures are very important. And um, it could be that we are influenced by the world in terms of material blessing, particularly Europe and America. And we think, well, God wants to bless you. So we, we adopted the prosperity message. Or, or I remember, or it's like, did you notice that, um, you know, we, we want to have worship. It's almost like a rock concert because that's how you reach people. Because people go to rock concerts, they come to the church and we sing these strange religious songs. So we change the churches and we've almost got a worship set that's a little bit like a rock concert. My personal testimony, when I got saved, I used to all my spare money on my records. I had, I had records, stacks of them, in the day. I used to go down to Grey Street and I used to go and buy records. When I, got, I, I had the latest, hottest, most edgy music. When I got saved, I went to church. A lady got on the piano one day and she began to play with her husband standing next to her, every Christian center. When she began to play, me, a super cool dude, melted my heart just, I just thought, what is that? I, and when she stopped, I literally in my heart said, please don't stop. It was the antithesis of all my music. I didn't need the, the, the music of the world to influence me. I needed that lady to sing a song with so much anointing that the spirit began to break my heart. Cultures, brothers and sisters, can do, are important. Cultures and subcultures. You know, 1 Peter 2 and 9, that um, Ingrid read, you read from 10. It said, you are a royal priesthood, you're a holy nation, you are a peculiar, this King James, you are a peculiar people. You are a different people. You are a people belonging to God, that you may declare His praises. He's called you out of darkness into light. And so, culture, the church was called to have a culture that is a God culture. Otherwise, I think, well... We just like the world. And the problem that we face is we, we sometimes have to push back the culture of the world, but because we may be advantaged, we so want to reach the world, be relevant to the world, that we adopt their culture. I believe 
to our detriment. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. But we can have so much love in a church that, that we won't correct or admonish or rebuke. No, one's, no one wants to do that. So, so you may have a culture of love, but you also have to adopt the fullness of the word. In some churches, community and sacrifice. I know a church, they, they just push two things, community and sacrifice. So everything has to do, you're not sacrificing, you're not sacrificing. And the other thing was community. Everything was community. So you couldn't have outside friends. You couldn't even go to family lunches because you're a Christian community. And when you join, they would want to see your bank statement to see how much money you earned so that you were tired because community and sacrifice. And so those, the culture of community, the culture of sacrifice is an intrinsic and important biblical one. But if you push it too far, we'll get it into trouble. You want to make disciples? Be careful becoming a discipleship movement. Amen? So we can take these things further and further. You can have a holiness movement. Be holy, for I'm holy. But you can push holiness so far that you become a holiness movement, which I think we actually need some, even the Puritans. What else happens? A charismatic movement. You can have a charismatic movement. If, if God doesn't move in the meeting, it's not a good meeting. There has to be some manifestation of the Spirit. Well, many of Jesus' meetings didn't. But we certainly do need the gifts of the Spirit. You could be a teaching church, but your pastor has to have M. and he has to be, have a theology in, 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 um, in uh, I mean, a degree in theology. How many books have we boast about? How many books have you seen in my library? That's a overtly teaching church. They teach so much that they become dry, and if you're not this ultimate teacher or student, you don't really cut it. Those are subcultures within churches. You can have social justice that completely overwhelms a church where that's the most important thing. Social justice, caring for the poor, the widows, the people in the is important, but if you push it, push it, push it, that becomes the main culture of the church. Are you still there? These are important things. Culture of evangelism. Where we preach marriage is more important than mission. Preach both. We preach both of them. Amen. Where gathering is more important than going. The church must gather. It's important that the church gathers. They say in, in, in Holland, where we were recently, in, in England, in America, all the smart guys that are writing saying, the church, the church is completely changing. Brothers and sisters, can I say something? The world is changing right now. The world is changing dramatically right now in so many ways. A church that majors on the pastoral or the caring. Amazing. You won't believe, bro. You know, they came to visit me four times. I was in hospital. All that's good. But then you can create a church that is very needy. Amen. Then what you do is you create a pastoral model, but there's apostles, there's prophets, there's evangelists, there's pastors, there's teachers. It's one of the five. The, the, the thing that we settled is if we had a baby or if we got sick, if somebody visited us, including the pastor, and I'm not saying we mustn't visit you, it was good, but it wasn't terrible if they didn't. 
we were trained, and I hope you've been trained to be, um, to actually minister to yourself. To say to my hospital, no one visited me saying, there's oh, somebody here that's also sick. I got a broken toe, he's got a broken finger. Remember George Abel's got his leg smashed. A guy came and got a bullet shot in his ankle. Had to chop it off. His, his, his things were mangled. The idea for you and me, brothers, is that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Hey, sir, just I cut your foot off. Um, I know somebody's name is Jesus. Rather than saying, and I thank you for being so understanding of that and that you are a tough church. I remember saying to somebody, when I became an elder at Denver's church, I met with them, I asked a senior elder to come and sit in on me, and I said to him after, I said, we will be, I said, we will help you. He pulled me off the meeting and he said, you told that couple you could help them. I said, of course I did, I'm a pastor. He said, be careful because you may not be able to. And I thought, I argued a bit, I said, oh, bro, what are we here for? Can we minister God's grace? They said, Nick, you made promises there, you've got to be careful you can't keep. I thought, that's an interesting one, isn't it? So how do all the biblical values, our mandates, our commands, our imperatives, doctrines fit together? Number one, we have a whole Bible theology, okay? We read this whole book, we just keep reading it, keep reading it. You, you go into all the stories, you read it. You don't try and understand it all, you let the Spirit put it into you. So every time I read the Word, I might have to uh, sort of exegete it all and understand it all and put it together. I'm saying, well, I'm just reading your Word. Put it inside. The Spirit of God, make it come alive. And, and, and you wake up three, four, five, six, ten years later, and the Word of God is living in you. It's like God gives you the stuff that you need because you've, you've, you've read the Word. You've taught me, taught the Word. Amen? Whole Bible theology. Number two, if you want God to speak to you, open the Bible. People say, I just want God to speak to me. Best place to start, open the Word. Not, not like, okay, Lord. <laughs> read through the book of Nehemiah. Read through the book of Ezra. And then you'll, you'll find that actually you won't have a superculture or subculture that causes you to be. Oh, here comes Nick again. He's going to talk to us about have you reached the people in the marketplace? It's all he talks about. And Nick, you need to talk about the poor. You need to talk about the widow. You need to talk about the grannies. Point number three, I've covered it. One of the things that God helps us with is all the gifts, the, the five gifts. So he says, apostles, prophets. Apostles lay foundations and they, 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 they keep the doctrine. They are sent apostles. Prophets are bit gnarly, true prophets. They're quiet if everything's good. The moment there's a problem, the prophets should begin to speak. The prophets have the heart of God. The prophets see stuff and they think, oh, you're drifting. So prophetic ministry is sort of a little bit in your face. And it also guards the truth. It, it's a representation of God to the people. That's a prophetic. The evangelist is saying, if you have that many people saved, you're not a real church. The evangelist will come and get into your face and say, so who did you lead to the Lord? Oh, like five years ago. He says, oh, yeah, you're a Christian. So the evangelist is always reaching. The pastor teacher is caring and teaching. Those are the five stones he gives us to keep the whole thing together. Amen. 1 Corinthians 12, 4. 
So I'm talking about cultures in the church, multi-generational, multi-ethnic, all languages, all people, all generations, amen? There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. So now the one same spirit begins to shower out gifts. There are different kinds of service. So here's gifts given. I didn't get that gift, that person got that gift, and so they're able to minister into that area. Healing, discernment, wisdom, tongues, amen, miracles, give me another one. Prophecy, I didn't get the gift of prophecy, but that person did, let them prophesy. Different kinds of service, I'll serve God this way. Part of my job is to spend hours in the Word. It's, 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 it's a lot of work. I mean, it's, it's what I do. It's what I have a service. You may have a different service, but it's the same Lord. So there are all sorts of different services. Now, all these services will make a balanced church. There are different kinds of working, but the same God. I'm just pressing on you. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. That was 1 Corinthians 12, 4. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. The body is a unit. A unit is a, is a single entity. The body, this body, your body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and through all its parts, and, and sorry, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Okay, got that, Paul? If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, you never see the foot, well, you do today. I see one foot, no, no. But I see everyone's hand. Sometimes the foot is like, eh, no one cares for me. I'm not seen. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If you take the foot off, like the friend that was next to George, you can't walk. So the foot is so important. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And I've said this before, no one really looks at people's ears. Say you the ear. No one knows me. No one cares for me. But eyes are like, oh, everyone knows each other's eyes. So eyes is like, gee, that's kind of a sparkling gift. Amazing gift. Just, I mean, don't look at each other's ears. You may be an ear, but if you take the ear out, there is no hearing. If there is no hearing, there is deafness. There is seeing, but there is no hearing. He has ears to hear. But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. If there were all one part, where would the body be? No one part dominates. A body, so we have a, it's all about the lungs. No, it isn't. It's all about the heart. No, it isn't. It's all about the brain. Yes, Jesus is our head. Jesus is our brain. Jesus is our director. Amen. It's all about the foot or the hands. It makes sense. That's that's how we keep the church fresh. That's how we. You know, somebody's saying, you know, it's, it's all about hearing God, brother. Yes, yes, to hear. Can you read that scripture? The message to all the five churches in the book of in the book of Revelation. Or oh, sorry, seven churches. Hearing is important. But what about feet? Blessed are the feet of them that bring good news. So if I'm the ear and, I, and, I'm, and I'm, but the feet are saying, we need to go. 
need to go and bring good news. No, brother, it's all about hearing. No, the ear needs to hear, the foot needs to walk, the hand needs to touch, the eye needs to see, the tongue needs to taste, the nose needs to smell, the heart needs to beat, the tummy needs to digest the Word of God. What's more important? Take the tummy out, my word. Take the vascular system out. What else is important, Ingrid? Every organ, breathe, breath of God. Calm down, bro. Chill. What does the kidney do? Teens. And the liver head. Give me another one. Skin. church, God has appointed first apostles. Oh, what does that mean? Apostles, important gift. That's what the Bible says. Then prophets. Isn't that amazing? Third, teachers. Teach the word of God. That's what you're doing today. Then workers of miracles. Anybody here? That you feel you've got a gift of miracles. That's not an easy one. Anybody feel that you're or super, a gift of healing or supernatural? Anybody? Yo, everyone. That's a real gift. I've been in here, I've been in thousands of meetings. It's a real gift. Healing. Man, do we need that now? It's a grace gift. You can't, I've seen people trying to create miracles. I'll quote you a theologian. Through church history, I began to see that the first Christians were not subcultural. If you take the Amish or the Mennonite people, they have a subculture of no technology, no TV, no motor cars. Give me some, what else do they do? They don't want to disturb the meals. They don't want to disturb face to face. So they just, they have these subcultures and they, they've created what to them is a perfectly biblical world. They are a people that are untainted by materialism and, and social media and wah, 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 wah. But they're not going anywhere. They're not taking the gospel out. So there are things we can learn from the Mennonite Amish people. But we, as a reader say, put off your jolly phone. Like my daughter said to me, Dad, put your phone away. Good point. And YouTube, by the way. So, so, so there is good there, but create a subculture, you get that. The first group were not subcultural. The subculture, the definition of um, a cultural group within a larger cultural group, having different beliefs. They were counter-cultural. We are not subculture. We are different culture. The culture is not derived from others, but it is creative. It was given by the creator. They, they produced a culture that influenced the larger culture. Amen. Can you say amen to that? Amen. The church has been influenced by the culture of the world, but it should be that the culture of the church influences the world. Amen. The first Christians, upon coming to faith in Jesus, viewed themselves as citizens of another kingdom, with allegiance to another king. They continued to consider themselves an outpost of another kingdom. By producing a kingdom culture, 
that perfected a respect for human dignity, a care for the poor, and reverence for God, these Christians were counter-cultural. Culture not shaped by the dominant culture, but culture as given by God. That's why it's interesting to see what's happening in Russia, because the church in Russia, the Orthodox Church, it seems, and I don't want to ever use this political tool, as I said before, the pulpit, but it seems as if the head of the Russian Orthodox Church is super wealthy, and he better play to the tune of the government there. Problem. Problem. So the government says war, the head of the church says war is good. No, 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 no. What does the word of God say? What does the kingdom say? Don't let anybody buy you. If people come to this church trying to influence with money, they say, no, no, this doesn't belong to anybody. This building doesn't belong to anybody. Praise God, amen. It belongs to the people put it together, but it belongs to God. And so the Jewish the church in Ephesus, the Jewish in Galatians, battled to break free from the cultural roots of Israel. The church in Corinth and the Galatians battled to break free from the roots of Greek mythology and, and weird worship. Okay. Culture. Can I now shift it to a culture of going? So I respect all cultures, neighborhoods, life groups, hospital visits, come to church, come to prayer, come to a deacon meeting, come to an elders meeting. I want to talk now, and I want to land into one thing, the culture of going. We have a Genesis Collective Leadership Time. So on the 18th of May to the 20th of May, it's from Thursday night, no, Wednesday night, with a meal, Thursday, Friday lunchtime. It's kind of a day and a half. It's it's what we would do as a, as a church from a leadership point of view. I'd like you to attend it. I'd love you to attend it. Can I ask you to attend it? Can I ask you to come to that time? Be a part of it. So we've got a space problem. Even a food problem. There's too many people. Can I ask you to consider the apostolic and the going and the sending and attending? Because we've got guys coming from Sri Lanka, Dubai, America, Cape Town, South Coast, Pretoria. You'll meet some people. You're going to hear ministry around the apostolic. So if Paul the Apostle, maybe Jesus himself, you'll hear, you will be trained in the world of going, in the world of sowing, in the world of third space beyond. That Red Point Church, if she closes her borders, if she lagers, she won't survive. If this church does not look to the, a whole world theology, we will not survive because we'll get all together, we'll kind of realize it, we'll, we'll close down. But the church was called to beyond herself. Can somebody <coughs> say amen to me? It's not an optional extra. The Bible says we are on mission. We, we are to go to the nations. It wasn't given as you can decide to or not. It was an imperative given by Jesus. Are we a gathering, a getting, an accumulating, a self-focused people, or are we a going, giving, sending, blessing, sowing people? I had two, two meetings this week, long ones. Just, just to give. We don't do a great point, but just to give. 
house. Am I here? No. God has said to me, I want you to, to sow where you get no return. I want you to give. Amen? That's where the river runs. Why are the heavens dry? Why is the river running? Because you're not giving. It's all about um, red point. It's all about the hardies and their family. It's all about our home and our cars, our bank account. God says, you're living the life of the world. What's in it for me? Can you pay me more money? Because if you don't pay me money, I'm going. So we're a people that are called to go. In 2016, 2017, we did a, a, a whole vision thing. We phoned and got hold of all the previous lead elders of this church, all the elders and, and leaders that had left that gone. We said, tell us what in your, in the 40 years of history of Redpoint, what do you feel this church has called you? Why was Redpoint planted DSC? Rob Rufus, Sean Dooley, goes on, I won't mention everybody. Finita Jacini, all the guys that were here at the, at the beginning. What happened at the beginning of this plant, which is a church, which is a lampstand, which is the bride of Christ? They said to a man, even one of the later ones that were sent, Ron Clark, Phil Kendon, to a man, to a woman, they said that this was a church that would exist for the benefit of others. This was a church from the front door to the nations of the world. That this was a church that wasn't going to just become a big, robby, happy. This church is going down right now. They're in big trouble because it's just bigger and more and more wonderful and more bucks. And just next minute, the enemy gets it. Hypocrites. But God wants us to be ascending. So, can look at one of the scriptures. Psalm, we're still there. Psalm 96.3. The greatest gift I can give you, brothers and sisters, as one of your pastors, is to think Christians think world. Psalm 96 verse 3. Declare His glory among the nations. What? Israel. We're highly nationalistic. Nationalism is a dangerous thing. What about America? What about South Africa? If you're from Zimbabwe, go back. If you, if you go to Mauritius and you're not Mauritius, you're like, you're like, what are you doing here? Nationalism is not is the antithesis of the gospel. I love this country. I'm, a, I'm, I'm Mauritian blood, I believe, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a South African. I paid my taxes, I've been to the army, which is not so cool to tell people anymore. I've done my stuff here, I've brought up my kids here. I love, this is my country. South Africa, I, I love it, but I'm not, a, I'm not nationalistic. I'm not too good. If you're from Zimbabwe, the first thing I think is, wow, I mean, Pray on Thursday. There's very few people that have a corporate, a gift of corporate prayer. He does from Zimbabwe. Where you this? Why are you doing in the back row, sis? <laughs> we need the giants in the front row. So when Lysias prays, the church begins to pray. Ah, Lord, you sent the Zimbabwe to teach us to pray. <laughs> yeah, okay, you start Africans. Little children, you need. Okay? Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all people. But isn't it about Israel? No. The heart of God for Israel was beyond. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared among above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols. Say that again. 
For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord, He made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and glory are a sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord of families of nations. All families of nations ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Israel, did you see that? Clap your hands, all ye nations, Psalm 47. Shout to the God with cries of joy. I think it's in Psalm 47 or 96, where they sing, 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 sing. All nations sing. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing to Him. Sing a song of praise. All nations sing, sing. Amen. Amen. When you encounter the living God, the saving God, the redeeming God, you're encountering a globally minded God. You're encountering a sending God. When you encounter Jehovah, Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, you know who you're encountering? Sending God. What about a blessing God? Thank you, Katya, on the way in this morning. Uh, I think Paul Tripp said in his tweet, he said, God has storehouses of grace for you. I battle with him, and I battle, and I battle, and I, I battle with faith, I battle with trusting God. There's some sin issues in my life, I battle. God has storehouses of grace. The question is, where do you go? Where do you get that from? Isaiah. I'm sinful. I'm sinful. I see the Lord. Take a call. Touch your lips. Change your language. Peter, get away from me on his knees. I'm sinful. Come, Peter. Come, Peter. You see, do you love my sheep? Oh, I've got a problem, God. I, 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 I denied you. I took fighting swords. I tell I won't. I'll, I'll die for you, but I can't even. I deny you in front of him. I'm not a mess. Storehouse of grace. But if Peter said, you know what, Lord? You and my wife have got a fishing business, fishing chip shop. Our kids are going to go to private schools. So far, we're no further. Rich and ruler, so all you have, Peter. Ah, I can't do that. I can't do that. He's ascending God. Are you prepared to journey with Him? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of Him who sent me. John 8 29, the one who sent me is with me. I do what pleases him. Literally from there, one come follow me, and he sent them out. 72, 120, 12. He kept on sending them. Also, the Christian faith once received is essentially for others. It has always been. The first guy, Abraham, or the, not the first guy, Adam was the first guy, Abraham. Kissed him. God kissed Abraham on his forehead. He said, Abraham, I've chosen you, bro. Who are you? Leave your people. I'm going to do you. You see the stars, you see the sea and the, uh, the, the sand and the sea? That's as many. 2.3 billion people today. Because Abraham believed God. Leave, come follow me. Leave your people, your kindred. Come on, we're doing you. I was ascending God. Okay, into the fish. 
tummy, little weed, seaweed, vomited out. And when he preaches to them, what happens? He says, I knew you were going to say that. Because they repented. You're sending people. Pick your guy. Pick him. David. Pick him. Out to the front lines. Moses, as he encounters God, sends him down to Pharaoh. Saul of Tarsus, what happens to him? Going to kill Christians. He's got a big knife in his belt. Angry man, power from the, from the from the religious institution. He's going to kill Christians. God knocks him to the ground. And a nice guy laid my hands on him. He didn't call the other people that were with Paul. He just called him. What happened? Laid my hand. Tell him the things that he must suffer for my name. Tell him that he's going to be a light to the Gentiles. Baptize him. He had to be baptized. Immediately, Paul began to testify that Jesus is the Son of God. We serve a sending God. My name will be raised from the nations, Malachi 1. Are you okay, Mikey? Thank you for that. Yeah. Bear with me, church. So, listen, bro, I'm just trying to survive. What do you say? I really want me to go to your neighborhoods and to the nations. You need to go, brothers and sisters. The devil's got us. COVID, we're going to be in Shanghai now. How cool is that in Shanghai? They're erecting barricades. You can't leave your flat. Amazing what's happening in the world. Jesus came to them, Matthew 28 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which we do today, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you to the end of the age. Christ's directive is to go. It's a command, it's not an option. It's something we have. It's not something we have the right to decide. We should simply obey and go. It's so easy once you obey. Going to Masutu, go. Going to Dubai, go. Going to my neighbor, I'm going. I'm going to a life group, I'm going. I need to get out of my house, I need to get to a life group because I'm dying. I'm watching TV, my wife and I are eating eat all the time. We're bored, we're frustrated, we kind of chips in the night. There's a healing in the going, amen? There's something about going. Therefore, connection. He says, therefore, all authority, therefore go. So the therefore connects his authority and his command to go. Who is he commanding? His disciples. Are you a disciple? So that was the 12 men, not us. Are you a disciple? I'm a disciple. Are you a disciple? Are you a convert but not a disciple? Do we want to become disciples? I was a convert but no one could disciple me. Terry Fushay introduced me to the church planters this week. And he said, this is Nick Hardy. Katie uh, was in my life with this Terry Fushay. I'm introducing to you my friend Nick Hardy, all on Zoom for the church planters, including um, Minister Rebecca that were there, and they said he was a very interesting man to lead. What did he say, Pastor? Not an easy one. <laughs> but I said, Terry, I changed. He said, I have. Because I was an undiscipled believer. On fire for Jesus, but no one tells me. Submit to one another, Nick, out of reverence for. Over this authority. We don't have authority to send you. A leader has no inherent authority. 
authority. The only authority that we have to send is the authority that's in the word that's preached. While they were worshipping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, while they were worshipping God, actually the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me under my authority, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I called them. You see, the sending is God's under His authority. Ask of me and I'll make the nations your inheritance. Remember, that's an injunction of a father to a son in Psalm 2. To kings. The kings are talking, ask of me, I'll make the nations your inheritance. The father. So, so that's a messianic statement that Jesus should ask the father and I'll make the nations your inheritance. We are the foot soldiers. What did Satan say to Jesus? Worship me, I'll give you all these nations, all these kingdoms. He said, I'm not going to worship you. I'm going to go to the cross. And when I go to the cross and obey my Father, I'll go into the grave and I'll wait for three days and I hope that He raises me. Because if He doesn't, I'm in big trouble. But I will subject, subject myself. And when He raised me, He said, Now ask of me. And I'll make the nations your inheritance. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Here it comes. In Jerusalem. And Judea. Underline the word and. Jerusalem and Judea. And Samaria. Oh. So I went to Durban Beach Front, I witnessed there. They said, okay, now go to Zimbabwe. Mozambique, Mauritius, they're all close. And Samaria. <coughs> and to the ends of the earth. Lots of ands. We're ambassadors. Christ is making his appeal for us. Ruthie, come and tell us what uh, Dubai meant for you. Just... Uh, it's not, it's not work. Is it going to work? Yeah. Ruthie, scream. Culture of okay. 
Christians. I'm inviting you to come, not to listen to some fancy preacher, but to, to, to just say, hey, Lord, what's happening? Come and pray with us at Genesis, at the, at the Genesis time. Because God must have set apart me to change your life. It'll do something in you. Not just for the deacons, but, but if, if you feel, saying, God, I, I, I get what this guy is saying. You may, I tell you what you do, you might hear a like to preach and listen to go YouTube and you download sermon on why the nations are important. There's a sermon that I want you to show you one minute from a lady on the nations. She in one minute did what I can hardly done in 40 minutes. Can you say amen? Amen. Can you say, Lord, we'll, we'll, we'll receive that culture of going and so uh, Can I hand over to you, Francois? Thanks so much for listening.